This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. for a Monday edition of All Marine Radio, right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. Yeah. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. Um, Grant Newsham will join us here in a few minutes. And talking about what the president... Uh, so we kind of go around the Pacific, right? Australia just had an election. The conservatives lost. The liberals won. Conservatives have been in power for about 10 years. So a liberal coalition won. So we asked Grant about that. We get an update. Anything new in the Philippines in terms of more China, more the United States? So we'll get an update on that. We'll stop by North Korea. The president's first stop was South Korea, so anything new going on there? North Korea's actually said we have COVID in the country for the first time since it hit the planet. So that we got that going on. So we talked to Grant about that. We talk about some of the stuff that's uh, being written about this economic organization association that the president's attempting to put together. So we'll talk about all of that. However, did not expect the president to say that the whole doctrine of strategic ambiguity is done. So far, the surprise of the trip. So I'm trying to get uh, an email to Grant to see if he would come back on this morning. We shall see if he... Grant's actually in the book writing mode. Yeah. So all that going on in one cavalcade of of a podcast. Yeah. So over the weekend... 
somebody sends me a video and asks me, do you like Hispanic music? I said, well, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I mean, I have a pretty wide taste in terms of music. And so um, they said, so they sent, they sent me a video. And <clears throat> I'll play you. <laughs> this is the this is the video. So I watched the video. Okay, I watched the video, and um, and my initial reaction is I laugh because <clears throat> the group in the video is called. Los Angeles Azules, right? The Blue Angels. They're a group out of Mexico City. Right? Here's a song. My first real, this might be too much information. My first real girlfriend was half Portuguese, half Hispanic. So um, I was a senior in high school and we go to one of her family events. It was something. And <clears throat> I want to say her family, they, run, they held it in a church hall. It might have been an anniversary celebration or something for you know, their, her grandparents or something like that. And so I go to this and, um, you know, so they have, you know, the meal and whatever. And then they, 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 so they start playing music. And I don't remember if it was a band or what, but it was music like this, right? I think it's called Cambio, if I'm not mistaken. But let me tell you, the, the cool part about it was everybody gets out there and is dancing, right? The grandparents are out there, the parents, the kids are all out there dancing, right? And um, <laughs> white people, I mean, I don't, we don't have something like this, right? The Irish don't, I can tell you that, where everybody gets out and dances together. And so... So when I was in high school, my sister, Peggy, <clears throat> when I was a freshman, she was a, she was a junior. She's two years ahead of me. So she told me and my friends, there's was like three of us, um, she goes, okay, you losers need to learn how to dance because when you guys come to dances, me, my friends and I, we're not going to stand around anymore waiting for people to ask us to dance. And it was a day, this was in the 70s, that girls just did just didn't hop out there and dance, right? Um, so in our living room, my sister Peggy teaches me and two of my friends how to, how to dance. She goes, we're, you're, you're not going to do the Frankenstein thing, okay? And we're like, what? So... Um, she teaches us how to like follow the beat of the music, right? 
So I was a decent dancer in high school. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on America's bandstands like, like, whatever. But anyway, um, for those of you who remember what that was. But what, I'm watching the video that I get sent. Okay. And it makes me laugh because this group, um, essentially is kind of like Santana. Santana is a is a band and they bring in all, all all these singers that they feature, right? Well, this band does this as well. Their style of music, right? I think it would I don't, you know, to me it's traditional uh Hispanic uh music, Mexican music is what is what I knew it as. Um but I uh at this thing that I'm at with my girlfriend at the time, right? I mean, I look and I see everybody and I'm like, I could do that. And I said, will you teach me? And she goes, yeah. So we go out and we're dancing, right? And I mean, it wasn't that hard, right? And then, you know, as you try to pick up some dancing, you just watch the other people, right? Like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. So, so I did. So I watched this video and you have all these um, chubby Hispanic guys dressed in the same thing. And they were doing these this choreography out there. You have, I don't know, it looks like a couple of sisters are doing, playing the metal uh, things. One you scrape on, the other one you like shake, right? They're doing that. And they do this choreography and I'm watching it and I'm laughing and I'm like, who are these people? So then I... Uh, I start looking around for their most popular videos. And I spent, what, Saturday evening, right? I spent Saturday evening watching, watching videos of this group, Los Angeles Azules. Right? And this is them. My, this is my favorite song. It's called Perdón, Perdón, Perdón. And so the song's about this girl dumps her loser boyfriend. <laughs> and she's apologizing. I thought you were this. I thought you were that. And then she's like, you're a loser. And the singer makes the loser sign on their forehead, right? And I'm watching. I'm like, this shit's hilarious. But I love, I, so I'm watching it. And I showed it to Colleen. Oh, my God. Perdón, perdón, perdón. I'm sorry you're such a loser. <laughs> So anyway. Yeah, she makes a loser sign right in the middle of the song on her forehead. Um, but anyway, so I thought I'd share that with you. I thought it was, I think it's funny. But yeah, this group, uh, they're going to be here in Los Angeles. They're from Mexico City. So Los Angeles Azules. And uh, 
funny. But again, even one of the things I love about watching the videos is their their live performance videos with featuring these these people, right? And uh, but you see people of every age um, dancing together, right? You see older people, you see younger people, and they're all doing that little dance that uh, that people do, right? And uh, it reminds me of uh, going to a country western concert where you have everybody there right and you know whether it's line dancing or whatever they do it involves everybody and it's such a different feel from rock concerts pop concerts uh, or things like that there's this i don't know it's completely different vibe in it and uh so anyway yeah i watched that that was a highlight that was a highlight of my weekend yeah because the yankees were getting their asses kicked and um, and then you'll hear from Grant. Uh, so good morning. On that note, the United States Marine Corps Band. Yeah. Hold on. So he just sent me an email. What is the name of the group? Los Angeles Azules. A-Z-U-L-E-S. All right. Check it out. The song. Perdón, perdón, perdón. All right. Watch it. It's hilarious. And I would tell you this. So. Because I produce video, uh, you have to get, you have to have, an, you know, lighting and stuff. I mean, the stuff they do is awesome. Between the camera angles and the lighting and the way they shoot it and stuff like that, it's very, it's very good. So, anyway. Um, yeah, just to know. So, good morning to you, United States Marine Corps Band. On really a historic uh, 24 hours when the President of the United States essentially renounces the concept of strategic ambiguity. But here's what's curious about it, and this is what I want to talk to Grant about. Maybe we'll, I'll see if I can get him to come back on for a few minutes tomorrow. Is this. What I don't understand is, evidently, Taiwan is being left out of this economic pact. So we will straight up say to their face, hey, we are... We will, we will fight you. We will defend Taiwan. But we're afraid to include Taiwan in the economic organization? So I have some thoughts about that. Because the only thing that makes sense to me um, is that, yeah, well, we don't believe we'll ever go to war with the Chinese, so it's really a non-statement. But we don't want to fuck up the economics with them anymore. We're more afraid of the economics than we are of the kinetics because the odds of the kinetics are minuscule, at least in the American opinion. So I'm not really sure what to make of all of that. So we'll discuss that here in a few minutes. So good morning to you. The United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. <laughs>
this is dedicated to <laughs> the group Los Angeles Azules, of who I spent part of my weekend with. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah, and the rest of the story is I wind up dancing with my girlfriend's grandma, and she looks at me and she goes, Miguel. She goes, very good. Have you danced like this before? I said, no, my first time. She goes, oh. oh. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Just look at the news again, right? <laughs> and, and the White House is now walking back the president's comments. What? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean...
I don't know what to say. Oops. I should have known, right? I should have known to wait 24 hours before reacting to anything the President of the United States says. All right. Time to look at the weather. Unbe honestly, unbelievable. Currently in Quantico, partly sunny in 70. At Cherry Point, North Carolina, it is partly sunny in 83. 29 Palms, sunny in 76. Camp Pendleton, cloudy in 60. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 73. In Okinawa, raining dark in 70. In the Philippines, it is dark cloudy in 80. And in Darwin, clear dark in 75. In Kiev, late in the day, it is partly sunny in 64. At the home of All Marine Radio, it is cloudy in 60. Looking for a high of 68 degrees today. Got that going for us. That yeah, was crappy most of the weekend. Yesterday was a pretty day, but cloudy. Friday, Saturday. Uh, 68 today. 70 tomorrow. 70 on Wednesday. 72 on Thursday. 72 on Friday. Cloud, mix of clouds and sun. Normally that's bullshit when they say that. Clouds and sun, it's always sunny. But, but, but it was not. Yeah, so listen to this. So I see these headlines. I have my television on mute. I turn it on, and I see the you know headlines scrolling. White House walked back Biden's statement. I'm like, what? I just talked about this. I talked about the interview with Grant, right? The president's comments that evidently have changed strategic ambiguity. Let me read you the headlines. Biden, CNN, Biden says she was... Would U.S. would respond militarily if China attacked Taiwan. NBC News. Biden says U.S. military will defend Taiwan if China invades. NPR. Biden says U.S. would intervene militarily should China invade Taiwan. The BBC. The vaunted BBC. Biden vows to defend Taiwan in apparent U.S. policy, sh policy shift. Axios, Biden says you would defend, China, defend Taiwan if China militarily attacks. Al Jazeera, Biden says U.S. would defend China, would defend Taiwan if attacked by China. Okay, now the rest of the story. 49 minutes ago, White House walks back Biden-Taiwan defense claim. What? For the third time since last August, the White House walked back comments by President Biden on Monday implying the U U.S. would aid Taiwan if the island nation came under attack from China. During a joint press conference with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Biden was asked if the U.S. would be prepared to defend Taiwan if such an attack took place. Yes, the president answers. That's the commitment we made. We agreed with the one China policy. We signed on to it. 
all the attendant agreements were made from there. But the idea that can be taken, that Taiwan can be taken by force, just taken by force, it's just not, it's just not appropriate. The White House later insisted the U.S. policy on Taiwan has not changed. Well, that explains it then. Of course he misspoke. Because if the policy was going to change and strategic ambiguity was not the policy, then they would be included in the economic agreement that I was just talking about. Now I understand. Now I understand. Quote, statement from the White House. As the president said, our policy has not changed. He reiterated our one China policy and our commitment to peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. He also reiterated that our commitment under the Taiwan Relations Act to provide Taiwan with the military means to defend itself. So evidently strategic ambiguity is still in place. Under the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act, the U.S. is not required to militarily defend Taiwan, but is required to ensure Taiwan has the resources to defend itself. The Chinese had the following to say. This is from their foreign ministry. Quote, no one should estimate underestimate the strong determination, firm will, and strong ability of the Chinese people to defend national sovereignty. That's a fucking joke. And territorial integrity. That's another joke on top of a joke. And do not stand against the 1.4 billion Chinese people, the foreign ministry said. During a town hall event last October, Anderson Cooper asked the president, are you saying that the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if China attacked? Question mark. Response, quote, yes, Biden answered. Yes, we have a commitment to do that. After that, the White House press Uh, media relations people cleaned up that mess saying that there's been no shift in U.S. policy towards China despite the words of the president. Uh, he did it again in August. Quote, we have made, kept every commitment. We have made a sacred commitment to Article 5 that if in fact anyone were to invade or take action against our NATO allies, we would respond. This is an interview with ABC. The same with Japan, the same with South Korea, and with Taiwan. It's not even comparable to talk about that. And then shortly thereafter, right, the White House once again says, the U.S. policy with regard to Chinese claimed Taiwan has not changed. Unbelievable. 
So then it's clown-like, honestly. But again, uh, should we be surprised? And I was in such a good mood because of my music. And here's the problem, you know. I think, right, Americans respect what the president said. That the United States would not stand by as a free nation, you know. And again, this is all, and Grant and I talk about this. The, the Ukrainian people have, have kind of called upon everybody's better angel, right? And it says that, and, and said through their courage, they're not invincible. You can fight them. And you can win. And you can win. Reminded everybody, you know, peace through strength is not a joke. It's a real thing. Right? To the point that Finland, Sweden would apply to be NATO members. So now, now headlines are coming out. So this is, so if you, if you do a search on the news about Joe Biden, Taiwan, China, defend, and then put in the phrase White House walked back, and then you, you hit search, and then you go to tools, and you, you, in, you then you select tools, and you select sort by date. So it will give you the newest article first, Okay. Headline, Newt Gingrich, Biden instinctively right to defend Taiwan. CNN, Biden says U.S. US would respond militarily if China attacked by Taiwan, but the White House insists there's no policy change. Next headline. Biden, yes, U.S. military would fight China over Taiwan. White House immediately backtracked. Next headline. Biden says U.S. willing to get involved militarily should China invade Taiwan, prompting a swift White House cleanup. Um, you know, you know what's interesting is, and this is what, I mean, I mean, appearances are important when it's the President of the United States, he's traveling abroad. Um, why wouldn't the President walk those comments back? Why would somebody in the White House say this is what he meant to say yet again? I mean, it's not like they haven't done this before. You would think they'd be kind of used to it. Okay, in his next appearance, he's got to clean this up. So here's what he's got to say. Give this to him and tell him to read it verbatim, okay? 
But it looks a little, I don't know what you would call it, unseemly when you have the droids at the White House correcting the president who's out speaking when he's, he's speaking as the president of the United States. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, so anyway, um, so let me just do some headlines. I, I want to read you some headlines of things that I took a look at. Deadly serious. U.S. quietly urging Taiwan to follow Ukraine playbook for countering China. U.S. officials are pushing their Taiwanese counterparts with new urgency to look at Ukraine's success in fending off Russian forces as a blueprint for countering a Chinese attack. According to current and former U.S. officials. Discussions about reshaping Taiwan's military are intensifying as President Joe Biden heads out this week for his first trip as president to Asia. Biden will not visit Taiwan. And then it talks about the the, the the fact that the Taiwanese people say that a Chinese invasion is likely. The question is, and Grant and I talk about this, are the Taiwanese people up to fighting for their country? Because if you look at what the um, what the Ukrainians have been able to do, if you look at the geography and the topography of Taiwan, um, you see an island that is you could fortify. And, and so it won't be that hard. You could do it. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you have to have the will more than anything else. Do you have the will to fight? And if you don't, then it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter the weapons you have. It will be for naught. You know, so... Taiwan? Does Taiwan equal Ukraine? In this whole thing? Hmm. Because that big body of water, man, that's tough to get across. And then if you look at the, the island, it's, a, it's not a small island. It's a big island. And all the different places that you can put weapons and hide weapons that will defend against aircraft and ships, right, But do they have the will to be that? So, uh, again, you'll hear that from Grant. So that's one story that caught my eye. 
Um, another story that caught my eye here recently is an article, uh, a piece really done by NPR. Headline, a surge in Navy deserters could be a sign of a bigger problem for the military. In 2021, 150 sailors illegally fled the U.S. Navy, more than double the number who deserted in 2019. Although all but eight of them eventually returned to their units, a military legal expert says the dramatic increase in desertion may be a sign of a bigger issue. The Navy has seen an increase in desertions over the previous three years. In 2019, 63 sailors deserted, and another 98 did so in 2020. The number of deserters still at large has been on the decline. Normally they either get arrested or they'll come back and turn themselves in because that's not a good thing. when you go look for a job in this electronic world we live in. All right. But the other branches of the military didn't see a similar increase in the past three years. Desertions in the Army dropped 47% from 2019 to 2021. In the Marine Corps, desertions dropped 50%. From 59 to 31, so approximately 15, so about 47%, something like that. The Coast Guard said it didn't record a single deserter in, between 2019 and 2021. So um, I'll give you a theory about this. Um, we're recruiting people that shouldn't be recruited. Because recruiting is not the easiest thing to do now. And so um, we put people in the military that that shouldn't be there. They find out that um, the fantasy that they were sold doesn't really exist. And that at some point you do have to work. At some point you do have to deploy. It's not the easiest life. Even though the Navy does everything they can to try to make it that. And then they quit. So, yeah, interesting, I think. Top headline in Stars and Stripes this morning on Asia Trip, Biden says he would be willing to use force if China invades Taiwan. We talked about that. Next headline that I would talk to you about. Russian offensive turns to key Donbass city and as is their technique, right? What would you expect? They shell the shit out of it with their artillery. Uh, the name of the city is Severdonets. Yep. In the province of Luhansk. So, top headline this morning in the Wall Street Journal is stocks bounce back after recent sell-off. Russian soldiers sentenced to life imprisonment uh, 
in first Ukraine war crimes trial. There's also Biden says U.S. would intervene militarily if China invaded Taiwan. Top story in the New York Times this morning is Biden says you would defend U.S. military would defend Taiwan if China invaded. That in the news. Top story in the Washington Post is Biden vows to defend Taiwan if China were to invade. And here's there's an interesting story in the New York Times this morning. Headline, Russian diplomat bes- resigns protesting Putin's aggressive war. So this is something that NATO has been looking for to happen. And um, so I'll read you a couple paragraphs. A diplomat at Russia's mission to the United Nations in Geneva has resigned over the war in Ukraine, writing that he has never been, quote, so ashamed of his country in a rare public rebuke of the war from within the Russian government. In a letter circulated to colleagues in Geneva and posted on a LinkedIn account in his name, Boris Bondarov, counselor at the permanent mission of the Russian Federation to the United Nations, said he had left the civil service as of Monday. Quote, for 20 years of my diplomatic career, I have seen different turns of our foreign policy, but never have I been so ashamed of my country as on February 24th of this year. The aggressive war unleashed by Putin against Ukraine and, in fact, against the entire Western world is not only a crime against the Ukrainian people, but also perhaps the most serious crime against the people of Russia, with the bold letter Z crossing out all hopes and prospects for a prosperous, free society in our country. Reached by phone by the Associated Press on Monday, Bondarov confirmed that he had handed in his resignation in a letter addressed to Ambassador Jenny Gatilov. He told the AP he had no plans to leave Geneva. The letter takes aim at the ministry where he worked. Quote, I regret to admit that over all these 20 years, the level of lies and unprofessionalism in the work of the foreign ministry has been increasing all the time. However, in recent years, this has become simply catastrophic. The ministry of today, he writes, is not about diplomacy, but warmongering, lies, and hatred. Yikes. So, anyway, um, dare I say people are hoping that uh, people see more of that and then there is a tipping of public sentiment in the um, in Russia and that um, an article I was reading over the weekend said and that Vladimir Putin is sent to a sanitarium where he can live out his life. Um, in a story that Grant talks about here um, from USNI News, Chinese and Russian navies remain active near Japan 
the carrier Ronald Reagan arrives in Japan to begin its spring patrol. There's another interesting story that I won't go into that the Russian hypersonic missiles are underperforming in Ukraine. That in the news. Top story in um, Marine Corps Times today is Biden, U.S. would intervene with the military to defend Taiwan. And just a reminder that the weekend coming up is Memorial Day weekend. And remember what it's about. It's not thank you for your service weekend. It's about honoring the people that have given their lives for our country. Okay. Everybody remember that? So if you know Gold Star family, um, just reach out. Tell them that thinking of you, if if I can help in any way, please don't hesitate. I love you. Okay. So this weekend, Gold Star Weekend, okay? All right. Don't be afraid to pass that along. Uh, top five stories in early bird, a surge in Navy deserters could be the sign of a bigger problems in the military. That's number one. Number two, Army makes new cohesion assessment teams permanent. So they go around and look at culture and climate. They do those kind of assessments. U.S. South Korea open to expanded military drills to deter the North. Something we used to do. Team spirit and stuff like that. Held during the most probable months of invasion. U.S. troops already there. Mm -hmm. Did away with them. They want to provoke the North. Because if you don't provoke them, then they'll stop all the stupid shit they're doing, right? Wrong. Um, From... Uh, let's see, next AFRICOM leader could be the first black four-star general in Marine Corps history, Lieutenant General Michael Langley, a Marine with experience commanding American forces in Africa, has been recommended to serve as the next leader of U.S. Africa Command, the New York Times reported on Friday. So that's General Michael Langley. Lawmakers urge DOD to take action to curb rising commissary prices. Interesting. Um, Top headlines for the Ukrainian war. Ukraine says it's holding off Russians in Russia's intensified thrust in the east. story in the New York Times about events in the city of Buka where a lot of atrocities right, were committed. The headline, Such Bad Guys Will Come, How One Russian Brigade Terrorized Buka. Uh, from the New York Post, Dodging Shells, Mines, and Spies on the Front with Ukrainian Snipers. Yeah, you wanna you wanna get a lot of clicks on your story. Put snipers in there. 
And then from the Associated Press, Putin complains about a barrage of cyber attacks. Let me read you a few headlines about the Pentagon. Pentagon making progress on cybersecurity amid challenges, according to a watchdog report. Well, that's interesting. Normally, that report by a watchdog is not very good. So, how about that? Uh, Pentagon ways deploying special forces to guard the Kiev embassy. Normally, standard fares, Marines. Evidently not. More nations are expected to sign up for the Pentagon's Ukrainian aid group. And that's about it. All right. Um, I told you Grant Newsom joined me for a discussion uh, what was interesting was I thought the discussion was <clears throat> OBE when I saw the president had uh, revamped America's policy towards Taiwan when he said, yeah, we will defend Taiwan. But evidently he misspoke because those comments have been walked back. So the president said, yeah, we'll do what we're always going to do, right? So uh, with that said, Grant Newsom here on a Monday edition of All Marine Radio right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. Uh, the president is in the Western Pacific, and so probably a good idea that we haul Grant's ass back on the program and start asking him uh, to uh, look into his crystal ball and tell us uh, what he sees. So Grant, first of all, uh, good morning, how are you? Oh, fine, thanks. Glad to be here. How's uh, life in, in muggy Taiwan? Uh, slimy. Slimy. Yeah, slimy. Yeah. It's like four showers a day, that kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Well, well, I, well, wear a lot of cotton, loose cotton. <clears throat> yeah, no, it, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and your seersucker suit. And, uh, yeah, one of those uh, string ties. You exactly. Know, like, me and the, and I've got a, a goatee thing going too. Well, that that would make you an academic. Mm. You would be attired as an academic, so you would have access to everything. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about uh, any observations about um, the early returns on which way the Philippines will lean. Or is there too much be money to be made out of both the United States and China to lean either way? Oh, boy. I would put my money slightly towards China. Uh, I think just because there's so much sort of um, pull in the other direction within China's, uh, within the Philippines' elite class and the public at large. But I, I think he's going to certainly have an open mind to see what, China can offer him and his family uh, and his support and his sort of group. Um, and that's when I say what, that's generally a cash issue. 
but that I, but I think there's a limit on how far he can go. Uh, so that'd be my guess. But in, any anything new on that front? Not that I've heard. Okay. Uh, right. So right. I've been sort of paying half attention to it. Got it. Uh, but I haven't noticed it. All right. So it's. Ma- but it's it definitely in play. However. Got it. No, next election uh, happened in Australia. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was um, a change of parties there. Um, talk to us about what happened in Australia. And what in is, Australia? And, and, what do you, oh. and what do you think it means? Um, in Australia, the, the Liberal Party lost. And their Liberal Party is what you we would think of as the Conservative Party. Um, and the so-called Labour Party, which would be like the Democratic Party, they won. Uh, and it was a pretty... It isn't just so much people voted so much for the Labour Party, but they got tired of the the Liberal Party. And I think they they didn't know quite what they stood for anymore. They seemed to stand for everything. Uh, you know, they were for the environment. You know, they were uh, against China. They were for the so-called net zero. Uh, and you'd have these conservative candidates who kind of looked more like Green Party candidates and I think the, as when Charles Barkley said some years ago why he stopped uh, being a Republican or so overtly Republican, you uh, Charles Barkley, the former uh, basketball player, he said, well, I, I was, but the re- Republicans lost their minds. And he was kind of right. You know, if you recall in that the, the George W. Bush era that the Republicans kind of went nuts and started you know, acting like Democrats. Uh, and that's sort of what happened to the, the Liberal Party, the Conservative Party in Australia. Uh, and so you now got the, the Labour people in charge, and it's been about nine years or so that they've been out. So they're back, and they remains to be seen, you know, what happens. It, my guess is that the Australian economy is going to tank uh, with these people in, and they've pretty much got, I think, just about every state except New South Wales, uh, that it's a Labour state government and now a Labour federal government. And I think there's uh, going to be some pretty strange economic uh, behaviour going on. Uh, but towards China, that the the Labour Party says that they're, well, they criticise the con- Liberal Party for being soft on China, and particularly with this, or more incompetent towards China is the better way to put it, and particularly with this uh, Solomon Islands business that happened recently where the Solomon Islands government signed a security deal with uh, with the Chinese that's going to let the Chinese military into the Solomon Islands. And so the liberal, the labor people savaged the incumbent, the Liberal Party, uh, for letting this happen. Um, not to say the Labour Party wouldn't have done just as poorly, uh, but they you know, made scored some blow points on that. And now they have to see what they're going to do uh, about China. And the my guess is that the, the new government is going to try to somehow restore their economic relationship with the PRC, but, you know, try to be tough on on China. I'd uh, don't think that works. I don't think you can thread the needle anymore with China, as strong as it is now, and as confident as it feels that they are going to, I think, run roughshod over uh, this new Australian administration. That uh, would be my guess. Uh, I think they 
they just got their number and they've I think they don't take them they won't take them all that seriously. The new defense minister, uh, for example, in I think it's a guy named Marles in Australia, uh, he was quoted, this was like a few years ago, as saying, you know, some some very, very pro PRC statements. And they, uh, you, you hear them, and there is no context for. There's no context that makes them better. Uh, so I think that you know they're going to try to you know, put up a front or put up a defense, and but I think the Chinese will say bull Russian, or uh, if I was a football player, uh, I think the Chinese will sort of, as I say, will just ignore them. I don't know that the Chinese will take Australia that seriously. Um, not least on, you know, based on what they saw happen in the Solomon Islands, where uh, China's guy, Sogavare, the prime minister, was about to step down Austra- last November, and Australia came in and saved him. Uh, that's sort of how inept they were. And, but So I think that Chinese, I don't see, they see much uh, that's going to stand in their way, so I would expect them to keep moving. Um, but it's, you know, Australia, it's, you know, I think they're headed for a wake-up call domestically uh, that is going to maybe bring the Liberal Party, the Conservatives, to their senses. It may even bring a lot of Australians to their senses. Uh, and one of the reasons why there was this change of government and the Conservatives fared so poorly was with these candidates called Teal, which I think is a, I used, um, it's like a color of, bluish or something yes and they're really uh they they're one one issue candidates called and it's environment and that sort of thing and they had a sort of a a role in the defeat um but you know it's like that saying that um you know you're concerned about you know when times are good you worry about you know like the polar bears going extinct and when times go bad and say the economy gets bad, you wonder what polar bears taste like. And I think that's maybe where Australia is going to find itself before too long is some economic difficulty. Uh, and also they're going to find themselves, I think, um, being um, disregarded by the Chinese. And the Chinese are going to, I think, sort of uh, put the, the pedal to the floor and see how far they can get uh, in the Pacific. How is Australia's government formed? I, I'm not. I know they're what they're part of the Commonwealth. Um, are, is their prime minister formed out of the majority of the people that get elected in their legislature? You, how, is it is the prime minister directly elected? How, how in fact is the prime minister elected? Oh boy, I'm glad I my life doesn't depend on answering this question. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, what is it? It's like that English system where, you know, people, you know, it's a parliament, uh, I think. Well, it is. So you, the parties have their candidates run in the different districts, or as these nutty Canadians call it, the ridings. Um, and so they run in these districts. And if you're, so whichever party gets the most people winning in the districts, if they have the opportunity to form a government, and if you get a majority uh, of a certain amount, then you can form it, you know, say the, as a labor government. But sometimes you need to reach an accommodation. If you don't have enough of a majority, you have to 
get these tiny little groups to join with you, a regional yes. alignment with another smaller party, and then you have a majority and you can govern. Uh, but you have to make all these compromises. Got so it. it's Got it's it. kind of like that. Uh, so say they, um, well, maybe it's, it is like that, I think. But um, Let me read you, I'll read you what I, <laughs> the Australian government in its, in, in its executive capacity is formed by the party or coalition with a majority in the House of Representatives, with the prime minister being the parliamentary leader who has the support of a majority of the members in the House. The Prime Minister is formally appointed to the role by the Governor-General. I'm not sure who the Governor-General is, but... Um, it's an, so an English who, guy, yeah. <laughs> whoever has the majority in their House of Representatives, uh, that party or coalition, as it is now, um, then appoints the Prime Minister. So, um, And then do, do they govern indefinitely? Oh goodness! Oh, this um, I don't know. Well, no, but they um, there's some ter there's some limit, uh, but I think you can get kicked out before if your party turns on you, and that's what the the <laughs> labor people did, um, or actually the conservatives did it. I think to get rid of Scott. Well, I'm getting ahead of my I'm getting too far over my skis. But the uh, I remember the um, the liberal the Labor Party did it. Like back when Kevin Rudd uh, was in charge, and he was like, "It's like these sort of backroom bunch of guys in the party got together and said we don't like him anymore, so they got rid of him." I think it's maybe a vote of no confidence, or there's some way to turn your guy out and put your own another guy you like more in. So it can be a little dicey uh, if you're uh, running Australia, um, but there's there's a limit, and they have to hold an election within a certain period of time, and their rules are different than than ours, as we know. It's going to be like after four years, you have to have an election. I think there's a little more flexibility uh, in their system. Um, Got it. So, All right, but, but there we, you know, here we are. We'll see. It's um, so you would expect them to. Um, you know, Australia's been an important part of uh, of the pushback on China uh, here in the last twenty four months. Arguably, um, they've had the Australia the Australians have had the stiffest spine in the Western Pacific uh, relative to China. And uh, do you think the spine is not going to be so stiff? Uh, I think it'll be certainly br brittler than it was. Um, was the spine was sort of stiff, but in some respects, what the up in the noggin, uh, up in the head, it was kind of they sort of um, were a little dozy, were sort of uh, not as clever as they should have been. Uh, but the the Australians certainly did. They were like three, four years ago were the first ones to stand up to what the Chinese were doing, particularly on the political warfare subversion front and the. Uh, conservative governments do deserve some real credit uh, for what they did uh, on that. So, but I'm not sure. You know, there's a, a psychological aspect to this, and particularly when the other side thinks that you're you've been rattled, and they start applying the pressure. That um, that's what I'm you know worried about in particular is that they just don't see the new guys as being as potentially tough as the other guys were. Uh, that would be my a, a concern that I've got. You know, one the, sort of a funny story is that I actually know, have an Australian friend um, 
you know, he, he actually went to Berkeley, California, as a uh. like on a, on a rowing scholarship. So you would think he'd be like a like a well, he went to Berkeley, so he'd barely be literate um, <laughs> and on a scholarship. You know, then you don't even have to read and write. Uh, but he is very clever. Uh, he's really good, and he actually tried to run as a candidate. I think this time around for one of the in one of the uh, liberal part, one of the districts. You know, as a liberal party candidate, which is a conservative, and he's really good on defense and business and economics, just everything, despite the uh, UC Berkeley background. Um, and he, you know, and it, like the what do I call it, like the the worker bee level or the everyone wanted him to run and he'd have probably won uh, if he'd run. But the in the conservative party, the liberal party, you know, it, it kind of runs like a mafia group. And they had some favored candidate that they wanted uh, who was destined to lose, of course. But uh, so he was apparently he was like offered, like, what job do you want? Um, but just so just stay step down. And he's one of these guys who refused to do it. Uh, so he did not get selected to run, though he should have, and he'd have probably had a good chance of winning. So I think the, for whatever reason, the the, the liberals did lose their minds. Um, but say was he he put it on an interview he was on the radio. He said, "Well, I learned how the sausage is made." Uh, uh, but I guess the Australians are not that different than us in that regard. Talk to me about N North Korea. Um... As uh, the president gets ready to um, head to, well, he's in the Western Pacific now, but um, the North Koreans have been making news again recently. Is, it, is this, this the continuation of their quest to um, to be a pain, to, to constantly present a challenge in the Western Pacific? Is there anything new in this whole thing? I, you know, I mean, we all read that COVID has now appeared in on, on in the northern part of the Korean Peninsula, so that's interesting. Um, so is there anything? You, you know, the, this, it's easy with North Korea, and the short answer is no, because uh, you, you know exactly you know, how, how they look at things and how they act and what their MO is, and I don't see anything new. You know, they, it's just a question of would they set off something like big or really or bigger than usual while President Biden is there. And particularly it was there was some talk that they might let off a nuclear weapon uh, while the president was in South Korea. And it doesn't seem that they did, nor did they shoot any a missile off as near as, as I've heard. Um, but they it, it's such a predictable sort of sequence of events when North Korea acts and it's, you know, they you know, want attention. So they threaten this and that, and sometimes they will actually act out. And traditionally, they've had a pretty good track record of getting presents, you know, when, when they do stuff like that. And, you know, we'll give them something, and or somebody will. And they, so you kind of know what's coming, and the best response to that is not to react. Uh, and it does look like the new South Korean government has sort of is um, now going to use that policy, which is good. And the Americans have really can't think of anything different to do. So they're, um, you know, to their credit, have, and are doing the same thing. 
but nothing you know, there's as there always is whenever you know, somebody important goes to so visit South Korea or the peninsula. There's always talk that though the North Koreans are going to do this or do that, um, but it doesn't look like they've done this or that uh, this time. But just it's just an engineering question, you know, for them, and they you know they'll get the 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 engineering right in terms of nuclear development and uh, sort of missile technology as well. But the the COVID or the yeah the the, the Chinese flu thing. Um, it's you know what a you know, it's a nutty regime. It's hard to imagine that it just appeared now, uh, but you'd almost wonder if you know how would you know the difference uh, in terms of misery up in that place, um, unless you're part of Kim's inner circle. Okay, so more of the same. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I should have just said that, but I didn't know if that would be a satisfactory <laughs> answer. If that it. would not be worthy yeah. of a yeah. podcast expert. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm I'm sensitive to that because Tim Lynch now talks um, a little bit about what it is to be a podcast expert. Mm -hmm. So it's always an interesting interesting discussion when we when we when we do discuss it. Um, talk to us about um, China. Evidently, has begun some form of naval exercise uh, in the South China Sea or something uh, designed to. Uh, detract, designed to message send, certainly. Um, the president, as he's headed, and before we talk about that, as he's headed west, uh, what are the Chinese seeking to do? It's been very noticeable that they've been very quiet about Russia. Um, it's like nothing to see here, right? And maybe it'll go away, and maybe nobody will, you know, will begin to, you know, to follow the dots to Beijing. Um, so talk about uh, what's on the Chinese agenda now, uh, and they continue to fight their own um, economic tr troubles that are ex have been ac exacerbated by the way they deal with uh, COVID. So China has all that swirling about its economy, the link to Russia, and the President of the United States headed west. So what should we expect of them in the midst of all of that? Nothing. Is, is that a good answer? For <laughs> no, no, it'll get you uninvited. That's what it'll oh, get you. Oh, no. Okay, then I'll start talking. <laughs> but the, uh, they've done a, a few things. Well, first with them in Russia, uh, the Chinese have apparently bought just a, a, a ton of oil from the Russians, you know, since the U Ukraine thing started. And I mean, like a lot of it. And they're filling up their reservoirs at cheap oil and you know, they, you can see they're getting away with it. It's not like anyone on the American side is really screaming at them. Uh, but the, the Chinese are, you know, they are uh, really taking advantage of this and they are doing all sorts of business with the Russians. Uh, but the interesting thing that they did, uh, I thought, was um, starting in early May, they, they sent one of their aircraft carriers down uh, into the east, or the, what do you call it, the Philippine Sea. It's the area just east of Okinawa. Right. Uh, and it had five escorts, five destroyer escorts with it. And they were there for several weeks, including while uh, the president was in the region, got to the region. And they just went back home just the other day. And they were, so they were there for three weeks, sailing around, doing what aircraft carriers do. And they apparently did 300 uh, launches and, I guess, recoveries including night operations. Uh, 
um, you know, with these carriers. And they were down, the area is not far from Okinawa, uh, maybe 100 miles away from Ishigaki or so. But it's also an area where uh, the U.S. carrier uh, operate, where they operate down and do their training as well. So they were in the really the very area where the Americans operate. It's very close to Japan, to the to Okinawa, and this is very much a signal that you know we uh, we're coming, and when the time is right and when we're able to, we are going to teach you all a lesson. And they so it was not a coincidence that you know, the the training schedule just happened to work out this way. That uh, this would have been done uh, to. Uh, make it clear to the the Americans and the Japanese that you know we will not be ignored, uh, and that would to me was a really significant thing. Plus the fact that they were doing you know carrier operations uh, was uh, that's important as well because if you remember back, say you look back 10, 15 years, uh, there the American experts claimed it would take the Chinese decades to uh, figure out how to work an aircraft carrier and the airplanes that go with it. Well, it's taken them a lot less than that, as is always the case when China develops some new tech capability. Um, there was even a Navy admiral, and I can't remember his name, and I can't find it anywhere, um, who even suggested that uh, the Americans should show them how to operate uh, these aircraft carriers. You know, that, that'd be a great thing. And as I wish I could find the guy's name, but I remember it very well. And there apparently have been some Americans that um, who did help the Chinese with their aircraft carrier capability development. Mm. Uh, and uh, the guy that knows all about it says he will tell me in person someday. Um, but the so the the fact that they have are mastering this capability uh, now, I think they've got uh, three-ish aircraft carriers. Um, it, you can play this out a decade, and they're going to have uh, these carrier battle groups. Um, and probably more of them, is, at least they're going to have enough of them to really cause us some trouble. And so this was an interesting thing to see happening in, um, you know, in really in Japanese waters and our waters as well. Uh, the other thing is the uh, this COVID, these massive lockdowns, these brutal lockdowns the Chinese have going. Uh, in uh, so in China, in Shanghai, has really borne the brunt of it. Um, that's been interesting to see. Not that it really surprises you, but because that's what communist regimes are like. It's what the Chinese communist regime is like. But it has been so brutal, you know, like welding doors shut, you know, putting fences in, um, you know, like streets so people can't can't go anywhere. You know, having these sort of these guys in white suits and blue suits, you know, bullying people. Uh, and then the, just the other day, it was in Beijing, where the crackdown has been nothing like Shanghai. Uh, there was uh, one housing estate. There were a few COVID cases found. So they carted all 5,000 residents off to these concentration camps. You know, be like, pack your trash sort of thing, you're, you know, where you're going. And they just took them off. And that gives you a sense of, say, who we're dealing, what kind of people we're dealing with. Uh, and the reason why they're doing it, that gets debated. Uh, and I think there's a, a good case to be made that it's, at least for Shanghai, it's to teach these Shanghainese a lesson. Because uh, there is a rivalry between Beijing, Shanghai, the north and the south. 
uh, it goes back some years, and the Shanghai people are considered the more free-spirited, free, open-minded, free-minded people in a Chinese context, at least. And it's a rival uh, center of rivalry to uh, to Xi Jinping, to the the dictator. Uh, so they're teaching him a lesson, uh, and that seems to be, I think, is sort of what's going on. But also the um, the what you call it, the China is also shown itself, the communists have shown themselves willing to take the economic hit uh, from doing this. And it almost, it, it seems like there's a consolidation of power uh, in with Xi, with the, his, him. And it is, it almost looks like they're sanctioned, trying to sanction, you know, consolidate power and sanction proof their economy. Uh, and one does wonder what else they've got in mind. So when you watch all of this put together, um, it almost seems like they're getting ready for something that is going to provoke a response, or they think it will. Uh, so I'm a little worried about uh, what's coming, but you, you know, as, as for what's coming, I don't know. So as everybody watches <clears throat> the COVID lockdown, um, you would be foolish if you assume such a such draconian measures did not have another purpose to it in a totalitarian state uh, in this case you know it, it, it some people might dismiss it as oh just domestic politics with with rival factions jockeying for position and the so-called 20th people's congress is coming up in the fall and she wants to consolidate power and make sure there's no opposition to him you know, getting a third and lifetime term in office, etc. That's one way to look at it. But the thing, the behavior on the economic front uh, is kind of strange, say, because to um, sort of hurt your own economy like that uh, is kind of odd. And I say the stocking up on oil, uh, that's sort of strange. And they bought a lot of other commodities as well. Um, taking your your gloves off in terms of what they've done in the Pacific, particularly with Solomon Islands, but also Kiribati, they've got a, a deal going with them. Uh, New Guinea, they're you know, working on Vanuatu, Timor, just you know, all over the place. And that's that military component to the Chinese move into the move outwards uh, that they've, as I say, they've opened the curtain and have shown that the military part is coming and th there's something I say that th that just doesn't it seems curious or sort of worry particularly worrisome to my way of thinking uh, and you know it's, it's like they they don't care um, and maybe decided this is the time to make a move uh, perhaps having sensed you know confusion weakness chaos in the united states and with the administration Talk to me about what you believe the president ought to be doing, and then we'll talk about what he is doing. Um, what do you believe the president um, ought to be doing? Uh, what should be the emphasis of this trip at this point in time? You know, that's... Uh, huh, well... First thing I would I would do is get our America's economic house in order. Uh, you know, if you don't get our finances right, then 
And I don't know that anything else really works. But they so that's where he's really got to pay attention. It applies to every president there's ever been, but particularly this one, uh, where this, you know, this inflation that is caused by just spending like worse than drunken sailors. And you got to get that right. Uh, otherwise, it see it it reflects itself on what you do overseas because it looks like you're irresponsible. Uh, the another part of this, the whole trip to Asia, uh, that I, you know, it sounds as if he's going to. The idea is to reassure people by his presence, by the fact the Americans have come, and they've declared this. You know that um, you know that uh, shows America is rock solid. You know, it's uh, in lockstep with all our allies, and yet our allies look at this and they say, "Well, you're, you've got, you, you know, you're irresponsible financially. Um, you're shrinking your navy, while China's navy is getting bigger. Um, the Chinese are setting up, you know, throughout the Pacific, and you don't seem to have a plan for this other than high-level strategic dialogue." Um, you've come, you, know, you brought ASEAN to to Washington the other day, and the president met met them, but he didn't meet them one on one, like he should have done. And you've you offered them some assistance package that's 150 million dollars, which is like that's like the fraud in a highway project in the United States. It's not much money. Um, it just looks like America doesn't have its act together. And how do you get your act together? Um, you know, that's, you know, I'm glad I don't have to be the guy to figure it out. Um, but, you know, it, this, I say the, uh, you have to actually show that you're, you're serious. And I don't know that we've shown more than that we know how to talk a good game. Uh, so I would recapitalize, the, you know, get the Navy, you know, beefed up again. Um, figure out what the Air Force needs. And, and then I would, the one thing that you can do is you could talk forthrightly to the Japanese and insist that they do certain things militarily. You could get them to um, do what is necessary to be able to really fight with us. And I've probably talked about this before, you know, get this joint headquarters in Japan right away uh, and, you know, create, you know, improve Japanese capabilities. And I say that ability for the us and them to work together. Uh, those are some easy things that you could do that don't cost money. Um, and you've got to get rain in Wall Street and stop funding the Chinese. Those are things you could do. I say that they don't cost a lot. Um, but say I don't, if you're just sending the president out there, I'll tell you, once he comes back, you're going to, you could ask yourself, say, two weeks later, what actually happened? You know, what in concrete terms did what got what made things better by his being there? You know, I'd say fortunately you have had circumstances develop to the point that the, the Japanese are more woken up in a good sense than I've ever seen them. And the South Koreans, you have a good, you've got a new conservative administration that wants to, uh, you know, get a better relationship with the United States, and it's also willing to sort of get together with the Japanese. To try and improve things, and the Japanese administration is willing to do that as well. Which is Those which are, is not a small deal. Yeah, what as recently yeah. as the last twenty four months, um, mm -hmm. they you know they bared their teeth at each other again, 
and you know the the western pacific doesn't work very well if 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 that's a fundamental of the uh, of the equation let me uh let me read you some headlines and then and then comment on on what you would but these are just uh, headlines from the last um 24 hours uh the president went to south korea um so Biden, during Asia tour, seeks to strengthen ties with South Korea. Uh, next from, that's from Washington Post. Uh, Reuters, Biden, Yoon, vowed to deter North Korea and offer COVID aid. Um, from the Japan Times, Biden says hello to North Korea's Kim amid tensions over weapons tests. Um from Nikkei Asia, Biden arrives in Japan, Australia election winner, Albanese to join. Uh, from Al Arabia, in Japan, President Biden to launch economic plan for the region, for a region skeptical on its benefits. Um, let's see. ABC News, Taiwan not included in launch of new Biden Indo-Pacific Pact. Um, for the, for, from the South China Morning Post, Biden's Indo-Pacific economic plan is with us or against us redo. Another one from the South China Morning Post. In Japan, Biden to launch economic plan for a region skeptical on its benefits, once again. Um, and again, the president's there for the quad meeting, okay, just so everybody knows. Um Writers, Biden in Japan to launch regional economic plan to counter Beijing. Uh, let's see. Let me read you a couple more. The Times of India, Prime Minister Modi to participate in launch of Joe Biden's Indo-Pacific Economic Initiative. New York Times, Biden, and this is seven hours ago, Biden arrives in Tokyo seeking to shore up support for economic plan. Uh, South China Morning Post, Biden's Indo-Pacific economic vision too blurry to benefit Asia. And one hour ago from the Associated Press, Biden to lay out in Japan who's joining new Asia trade pact. So um, all that is the fare of his, you know, so far of his trip. Um, give me your thoughts on some of the things you've heard um you know with south korea i think that's sort of good news because it's you know they they're fortunate to have uh a, a, a favorable regime a good regime from the u.s perspective uh, administration it's not a regime uh in power so they can as we just talked about it you know we can the americans and the uh, the south koreans can kind of get the you know, the relationship on track again and you start doing some military training establishing say a real capability to, to whap the north koreans you know if they do something and also improving the korea japan relationship as possible as well um, and south korea also has a, a role to play in the pacific in providing say infrastructure development um, that if it's worked right, it's um, South Korea. So I think there's more possibility that they will actually do things beyond the peninsula. So that's I think is a, is sort of a one can be sort of optimistic about it. Okay, so uh, so next to South Korea, we have an up arrow. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I think right. so. Um, right. With J- um, Japan. What's what's uh, what's next on those headlines that that interest you? Um, the the Japan thing. Nothing really all that special there. It's until we li- until we you know I don't see any sign that we are going to say do the the concrete things necessary to really make the U.S. Japan military alliance uh, a serious military alliance. Uh, I, I just don't see that. Uh, so I'd give that sort of a down. You know, that we do like each other, of course, which is always nice, um, but that's that's not enough. Uh, when I see the, the Taiwan thing, uh, where they won't allow Taiwan into the, they haven't included them into the, what they call Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which is the administration's new economic scheme uh, for Asia, that not including Taiwan, you know, that if you that's not a good thing to do. It shows you're scared of China. And when you get, say, a, <laughs> a predatory regime like the Chinese, uh, that's not what you want them to think, is that you're scared of them. And that is the reason why they're not doing that. And that is a huge mistake. And it would be nice to see some step by the Americans to break that isolation of Taiwan, uh, not least the, the military part of it, but these these economic opportunities are really easy ones that should take advantage of. Uh, the reference to India, I think that's a good thing. It's nice to see the Indians in there. Um, uh, but in one area where they could be very useful is in the South Pacific. Uh, they have a, a different sort of relationship in the South Pacific, and they're even better at operating in those kind of places uh, than we are, not that that takes much. Uh, but they're very good at it. There's a, they'd be a very good alternative to this Chinese onslaught that is uh, sort of mowing things down in the Pacific. Uh, will we take advantage of that? I don't know. I kind of doubt it. Um, but the thing that's getting a lot of attention, and it seems to be one of the big deal, big parts of uh, the president's visit to the region, is that Indo-Pacific economic framework they're going to introduce and I must say that I'm not impressed with it. I haven't heard anybody who is. Uh, the one of the main criticisms is that it doesn't. What it well, first, what it calls for is fair and resilient trade. It calls for supply chain resilience. Calls for infrastructure development and clean energy and decarbonization. And it calls for um, ending tax havens and anti-corruption and the like. Nobody cares about that. What they want is access to the U.S. market. Uh, they want tariffs to be cut on their goods so they can sell them in the United States. Uh, but the things that it's that's talking about are, are the wrong things. It almost like if um, you know, say you you um, we're going to go. You're sitting there waiting for dinner, and somebody comes in and instead of bringing you like a big plate of hot dogs and chili, they give you a lecture on constitutional law. Uh, it, it's not what the audience wants. And people will say, is that all you've got? You know, we can, the Chinese are here and, you know, we sell a ton of stuff to them and, you know, they're offering to build stuff for us and, you know, lend us money and this and that. And here you're um, talking about these things. You know, where exactly is the, um, you know, what, where's the, the benefit from what you're offering? And I think this is, uh, is a very it's unimpressive, and I, you know, I'll bet you if you wait, you know, wait 
three months or six months after the president's visit and the announcement of the uh, Indo-Pacific economic framework. And then, you know, ask, well, what are the concrete changes or improvements that have happened as a result of that, uh, both from a trade perspective and in terms of bolstering the U.S. Uh, position in the region? And I think you'd probably be hard pressed to, to name any. I could be overly pessimistic, but that's just how it strikes me. So, say so those. So that's just my sense of it. It's good to have the president go, um, but you know, it's unless there's more, you say, in concrete terms that uh, that they're going to we're going to do, or say, do for Taiwan, or do with India, or you know, some you know, where's the specifics of what you're actually going to do? You know, if you listen, if you read the the accounts of the you know these um, the senior officials who are traveling with him, and so much of it is like we're going to show our, you know, unmistakable, unrivaled commitment to the region and to our friends and allies, and blah blah blah. Uh, but I don't say I don't see the concrete you know, things that that we're going to do. You know, just one um, a long thing along these lines is there was an article in Financial Times today. Uh, and it was about it mentioned it was about um, the Americans and the quad company, countries getting together to uh, track illegal fishing by China, and that's not a bad thing. It actually could be okay, but it also includes a part about talking about these Chinese inroads in the in the Pacific. Um, and it, I think Kiribati, uh, Tarawa, is the one that gets specifically mentioned, and the there quoting an anonymous senior official uh, in, um, you know, on, you know, talking about it. And, you know, what, what he, what he says is that, wow, you know, um, boy, this is something new that the Chinese are doing. We're going to have to step up our game. Oh, significantly. Um, this has been going on for 30 years. It was predictable. It was observable. It was obvious. And, but now you have the people who are in charge of Asia policy talking about having to step up our game. You know, you know begging your pardon, but, you know. It's, but they don't. But second they lieutenant, don't. Well, second lieutenants get fired for this sort of thing. Let, um, me, let me read you Generals this. don't, but second lieutenants do. But. Yeah, no, generals would find a way to, to, to slip it, to, to not take blame for it. Matthew Goodman, Senior Vice President for Economics at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C., we've all heard of CSIS, um, suggested that some Pacific signatories will be disappointed because the pact is not expected to include provisions for greater access to U.S. markets. He sounds like he's been listening to you, Grant. Quote, I think a lot of partners are going to look at the list and say, that's a good list of issues. I'm happy to be involved. But... You know, are we going to get any tangible benefits out of participating in this framework? Right. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't want to congratulate you on 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 being in sync um with with another expert. Oh no, he's in sync with me. <laughs> but, uh, I was I gonna actually, say he's he's listening to you. But yeah, again, but, it's uh, like it's like I I just for the life of me, the only conclusion you can come to is that we are uh, we are so afraid of angering china economically and we so see that that we're willing to allow we so see that as against our interests 
that we're willing to allow Wall Street to continue to fund, you know, China and not inhibit that. And we're also unwilling to grant further access to our markets to these countries that, you know, from the Marine Corps strategic perspective, uh, uh, we need one of these countries to have a deal with us so that we can actually maybe be in that country to yeah. do what this strategy that we say we're going to do. And it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to make any sense that there is no, again, I mean, I was very critical and, and you and I have talked about this for years of Donald Trump. His greatest failing was, right? He did not do anything to uh, broaden and deepen the economic ties between the United States and other nations in the Pacific Rim. And now what we have, the Democratic version is just more flowery. It is absolutely, you know, the, the phrase that is popping into my head is, where's the beef? Oh, I was going to think of that. I was going to say that, but I didn't know if anyone remembered Clara Peller. <laughs> where's, yeah. where's the beef? Right. I mean, where is it? Yeah. There's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. Right? I, I'm afraid so. You know, I, I wish it wasn't the case. Um, but that, unfortunately, that is how it looks. And, and so you, we'll, we'll go and, and we'll, do the, we'll go and we'll do these things. We will declare victory and say this is a grand thing because, you know, people say, well, you know, we'll sign on. I mean, it's not going to cost us anything. They don't want shit from us, you know, and you never know. Maybe some good will come out of it. But, I mean, we've got to keep, no, keep the Americans happy and, you know, we'll uh, make sure we don't piss them off. And so there you go. Yeah, you know, and, you know, while I think it's any day now, the Chinese foreign minister, I think it is, is heading to the Solomon Islands to sign that security deal. And there's also an economic deal that's in the works down there uh, with them, which is, you know, just adds to the misery oh, no. uh, from our perspective. So the, you know, the, it's like the Chinese are sort of saying, okay, yeah, you know, go on your trip, but we're here uh, undercutting you. Uh, and your friends, the Aussies. Uh, so that's not, you know, I'd say for it's, um, it's not a fair trade-off. Uh, I think they're coming out ahead on it. You know, I you know, I was just uh, earlier today, I did send some something from a, I got an email from an Australian reporter, and, you know, I've talked to you before, and, and I, I sent him, you know, talk, we were talking about the Southwest Pacific and Pacific thing, and this is what I wrote. It's kind of funny that um, you can see why I don't get invited places. I, I said I would also, and I was talking about that, you know, we have to step up our game comment. Um, and I said, you know, I would note that if you hang around the policy people in D.C., almost none of them are people who actually do things. They talk about things, but they don't do things. That's for somebody else, but nobody quite knows who those people are. Uh, so, you know, it's that, you know, the, you really notice, you know, people who can actually get stuff done um, that, you know, wherever they seem to be hiding, you know, at, at least they don't get jobs in administrations. Um, but that's, you know, they say it's hard to be too optimistic about things. Um, but, uh, you know, say so we'll see, see how it goes. But uh, there's a lot going on in Asia now. And it, say it must if you say when you look at the whole map uh, that it looks like China is really making uh, sort of making some advances uh, that and we don't seem to have a, a scheme for stopping them. Uh, and, you know, we should. 
Uh, it's not that hard, but the, you know, I said, we just don't have people who do things. Uh, we're a lot of people who are good at talking. And, you know, these days I'm an, an excellent talker on these subjects, but you know, it's, it's, but I have an excuse. It's not my, my job, but uh, say that the Chinese are making this move. It is that the military component of their uh, political warfare campaign that is finally sort of, you know, they've uh, blown the whistle and said, let's go. And, you know, what are we going to do about it? You know, I would like to hear somebody uh, you know, lay out a scheme for that. Um, this is written by Andrew Hafner. Um, it's uh, on um, Al Jazeera's web website. Um, while many of China's regional neighbors share Washington concerns about the burgeoning superpower's ambition, the IPEF's lack of clear trade provisions could make it an uninspiring prospect for potential members, especially in Southeast Asia. You can sense the frustrations for developing trade-reliant countries, said Calvin Chang, senior analyst of economics, trade, and regional integration at Malaysia's Institute of Strategic and International Studies. Quote, there's always talk about engaging Asia, the idea, but what exactly is it? And what are the incentives for developing countries to take up standards that are being imposed on them by richer developed countries? Um, and so this is, um, this is brutal when you listen to it. Though many of the Indo-Pacific economic framework's details have yet to be finalized, the Biden administration has made one point clear. The plan is not a traditional trade agreement that will lower tariffs or otherwise open access to U.S. markets, but a partnership for promoting common economic standards. What the fuck are we doing? Right? Yeah. I mean, you laid that out, but I mean, you read these. So this, are, this is from Malaysia, a Malaysian perspective. Looking for the United States for leadership, you know, seeing the, the menace of China, and what does the United States come, come with? oh, we're going to standardize things and make it easier for us to solve supply. One of the things, supply chain issues. Oh, so you're talking about you taking care of you. Are you here to help us at all develop as a nation? And it's just, again, it just continues to me. The, I, I really would like to hear an in-depth discussion of why this is so hard. Because I just don't get it. Knowing that that is... China is the quote unquote pacing threat, whatever the fuck that is. Um, kind of like the pace car at the Indianapolis 500. That's the one you chase. Right. <clears throat> so that's who China is. And this is our response. This is as good as we can do. Right. And the only thing that, that this beats is the nothing that Donald Trump did his four years out there. So I don't know. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. On a lighter note, Grant, what are you writing these days? Oh boy, I've got this massive thing. The title is When China Attacks. <laughs> and I, I point out that they've already started just on different um, non-kinetic uh, fronts. Ooh. And you know, that would connect, yeah. Um, I apologize for using jargon. Um, but the, uh, they haven't actually started shooting, is what I should have said. So, but they're attacking us in other ways. 
and it's a huge, huge thing. So it's um, uh, how do you call it? It's it's um, like if you would like the Buddhists believe you get punished for doing bad things in a previous life, and uh, this is, I think, the uh, the part of. So I, I don't know what I did. But uh, I did something. But this is what I'm really focusing on now. So where and, will this appear? Um, it might actually get published in a, like a, a book. You're gonna. You, this is you're writing a book. I swear to God. Whoa. Yeah. It. it yeah. So this assumes I can finish it. Can I? Can I be uh, one of the endorsers on the back? Um. Yeah. If you can. I'm not get, much. Uh, of, I'm not much of an expert, but I mean, uh -huh. if, if you want, you know, I am the the. Uh, could you get founder and president of All Marine Radio? Well, maybe. Could you get Earl Weaver to write a little blurb as well? No, that would take powers beyond me. Oh, a Ouija board, I guess, too. But Not a Ouija board. It would take divine powers to extract him from his grave. Oh, okay. Uh, hmm. He's okay. no longer among the living, is what I'm trying to tell you. No, no, no. Earl, though, I refuse to believe that. But, <laughs> but, okay. uh, but if I can finish the thing. But books are a lot harder than... Um, I know, I'm right. Like these thousand word things you know any you know you know the thousand word thing is like what what you can rattle off you know while you're waiting to get your hair cut in a barber shop right you know blah, 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 blah. but uh, a book you kind of one there's just so much more of it and, well uh, i have to tell you i'm i'm so disgusted with this shit um our pacing threat you know and i was watching the thing representative luria did mm -hmm. you know we talk about deterrence by denial you know, and if we're going to do that stuff, you know, we have to have the authorities in place. We are so not serious about this shit. We have so not linked um, our diplomatic effort with our economic effort to our military effort. It's, I mean, you watch what we're doing. Uh, it's, it's like amateur hour. And it's, um, you know, and I guess at some point, it will be what it will be, and we we will pull back to the second island chain. That yeah. that is the Aleutians, Hawaii, Guam. That that okay. that will be the second island chain that we will operate from. I think what's left of us will. But, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think we'll ever fight them. I think we'll we'll be too afraid of them. They will bluster. We, our knees will buckle. And we will say we, you know, geez, with our 240 ship Navy, because, you know, we went through another iteration of divest to invest um, because we fucked it up again. And, and we just don't have the ass to fight them anymore. And, you know, there's, you know, really we were extended too far across the Pacific. And that is, after all, China's fear. And, you know, yeah. we, we all wish the Philippines, um, the Filipino people, uh, the Vietnamese people, the Japanese people, the South Korean people, we all wish them the best of luck, but, you know, it's just too far for us anymore. Could be. You know, so it could be. Well, yeah. I mean, and the sad part is it's, but for the lack of will, you know, mm -hmm. to have, an, and, and what are we afraid of? So China can dominate, you know, the goods that are in Walmart and in Target but we can't create a sweetheart deal for the Philippines and for Malaysia and for um, for Vietnam, South Korea. I mean, they're what we're trying to encourage. We're so beholding to China. And again, the only the only explanation I can I can fathom for why we don't take action is 
they have they have turned us so much that we just won't act. And that's pretty depressing. Yeah. Well, you know, some. T- yeah. You know, I. Yeah. I'm a, a cheerful guy, however. But uh, no, yeah, you are. The, you are the father of the phrase, cautiously pessimistic. Yeah. And I. I, I can whine with the best of them. But uh, <laughs> they. But you know, sometimes you know, you saw this with Ukraine that, you know, I, I expected the euros to completely capitulate the the Hun the the Germans to, you know, even do something more than capitulate. Um, but you look at how where are the they, Ukra- where are the Ukrainians of the Pacific? Oh well, them too. You know, I thought where are know, they? Who who are they? Are the are the Taiwanese the Ukrainians? Do they have the will? The Taiwan Marine Corps has these indigenous uh, guys that are really tough and really cheerful. They're like Gurkhas practically. But um, but there's not enough of them, right? Yeah, the, the rest not of, quite. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, the thing is, I don't know. But the what I my point is that. It's interesting how when people actually stood up, you know, who for whatever reason, but when the Euros and actually and the Ukrainians said, you know, no, nah, we're going to fight, that how it changed the whole dynamic, you know, of Putin as being this master strategist who you couldn't challenge because he'd always win. But it kind of has turned things on its head. No, no, you're exactly right. The courage of the Ukrainian people, in in particular, the fighting ability of their military has taught the rest of Europe and the world a lesson. The question is, is who are the Ukrainians in the the Western Pacific? Who who will fight? Well, I would settle for us being willing to fight. And, you know, the Japanese, some of our friends. Good luck. Led by the the American Navy? Uh, Well... You know there'll be pockets of bravery, but you know, so being, but we'll, you know, the somewhere. If you, what well, the point is, if you just stand up, you know, if someone said, you know, look, we're going to do joint training with Taiwan, and if you know we're the United States, we'll do what we want. If you have a problem with that, fire away. You know, sometimes if you, you know, when you actually stand up, that it it's, it changes the whole equation. And when was the last time we stood up? Um. When we killed Soleimani, the right. Revolutionary Guard guy, you know, right. that or launched those missiles when Mr. Trump was having dinner right. with Xi right. Jinping. And, and I, I would argue the trade okay. confrontation with China China was mm-hmm. was well, a true. step in yeah, standing right. up. Uh-huh. And you and you 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 mentioned the fact that this is the first time an American administration had stood on its hind legs in decades. Well, Did, I would say any any time Pompeo walked into a room with the Chinese that they uh oh. You know, they knew not to. They knew they'd met their match. And then some that. Uh, but, and then we saw Blinken get lectured for 23 minutes yeah, or 21 minutes. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was not good. Yeah. But the, and but and the, so, again, so I, I ask you, is anybody, do you believe anybody in this administration is going to stand up like that? Is there, I mean, we don't even have, we won't even lay out an economic plan that allows the nations that we're depending on to have greater access to American markets, to pull them closer into the sphere. We won't even do that. And this is on the backside of the Chinese cutting a deal with the Solomon Islands. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, the statistical probabilities suggest we have somebody. But oh, the, uh, my God. Just, Are you, did that? you just Let's, say that to me? Uh-huh. 
because I'm about to go kinetic. <laughs> I'm <laughs> about to go kinetic on your ass. There's a revolution in military affairs coming. Exactly. It's metric-centric warfare. How could we lose? Oh, my but God. Oh, integrated deterrence. That's the new thing. Well, you know <laughs> what? And that is, and that's, that's code yeah. for, we will the use doors. these, yeah, we oh. will use these other um, elements of national power, right? Include them in our our grand strategy and therefore we will not need as much hard power and we can cut the dod yeah it, That's no, it, it. means um, means to the chinese the door is open exactly uh, help yourself I, it's just but, it's it's just disgusting well it, but now, you know but looking back to europe where you know there's a little more optimism you know, think of how it got the the finns and the swedes to want to join nato and they're the ones who have really have told the russians told putin you know, take a hike. Well, and, let me let me give you my take yeah, on that. I don't sure. I don't know what the classified assessment is on Putin and Russia. Okay, but if the Finns and the Swedes are telling the Russia to fuck off, Russia must be on its ass, and everybody isn't in, intelligence services know it because they would never say that, and they've never said it. So, you know, I, I don't. You know, I I don't know about that. You know, I could you could be right, but um, but. The the Finns and the Swedes are they're kind of tough, uh, and you know this. But I would tend to look at it in a, a good way, to, to my way of thinking, uh, with that. But the, the the point is that nobody would have thought that would ever happen, and all the experts and even real experts would have thought, no, this is not likely to happen. But it has, and it's you know I think it's changed the dynamic uh, somewhat, uh, certainly in a way I didn't expect. Um, but you know, maybe in, you know, I'm just I'm pointing this out because it you know. I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. not willing, I'm not buying it. I'm, you know, not, I'm not buying. I'm not buying yeah. your bullshit. I don't huh? see who's going to be the Ukrainians in the Pacific. I don't see the Thai, the the citizens of Taiwan being that. I don't see you know. Are we going to begin to sell them you know our advanced uh, surface to ship missiles? Are we going to do that? I mean, if shit. We, look how we danced away from the Ukrainians. Do you want to ride out? No, I, w I want you to sell me weapons. I mean, I, I, I think, I don't know, like, what you're drinking, what you're smoking in the opium dens of the Far East, but you need to go to a detox center and sober up, Newsham. Because you're the, the Betty Ford Center doesn't have any beds. Because you're <laughs> like, you're like giving me a Western Pacific version of the little engine that could. Well, no. What what I'm you know I'm you know I could see you and raise you one on how desperate things are here, but in Asia, but I you know have I'm not willing to write off or I'm not writing it off. I'm just that, I'm just depressed yeah. about it because the truth you tell me the only and then you, this is the and then you're seeing the American president go there and we need to standardize uh, have a process an alliance or something for standardizing um, whatever issues in the trade pipelines. Give me a fucking break. Everybody knows. So everybody knows. So you won't, you won't give us greater access to your markets. So you're protecting your own markets at the same time. You want us to stick our neck outs relative to China. Yeah. Good one, Joe. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. You know, it's I, no argument here, but, you know, as I say, I do like to think we still got a chance. You know, uh, we do. We have two chances. Know, it, oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. 
Slim we have Pickens, two. Uh, we have two. Yeah. We have two chances. Slim and none. Uh, there okay. you go. I'm not, I'm not willing to um, say. Basically, I don't want to have to learn to speak Mandarin to speak to my new masters. So that's part. Well, of you will vacate the premises. I'm sure you're smart enough to get the hell out of there. But <laughs> um, well, I'm thinking back when I'm living back in Jersey. In the, yeah, you, Jersey would not accept you. Okay. Jersey would not accept you. Yeah, probably not. The um, all right. Well, first of all, thank you for very much for doing this. Um, I may buy. I may bother you later in the week um, if anything significant comes out of the president's sure. trip. Mm -hmm. But, but again, I mean, you're seeing the people that write and cover it, um, saying, "Look, there's there's nothing here, other than him coming here, and you're going to get the boilerplate." But in terms of what we want most that will pull us closer to the United States, it ain't there. And we're a little bit frustrated. And then, oh, by the way, you are asking us to join you to increase our defense budget, to confront China. But you won't open the door for us to develop our, our nations because you're going to protect your own economy. And I just I just see that as inherently weak and shitty. So on that note. But again, so when do you when, when do you think your book will be publishable? Oh, I have to have it done by like the middle of next month. Oh shit! Yeah, so well, you, it's not, it's do you not have like a, I, do you have a publisher already? Uh huh. Oh, it, yeah. It's it's not like I've started yesterday, fortunately. Oh, okay. But it's just uh -huh. a big thing, you know. It's um, yeah. and my I'm usually better at like thinking about like one thing at a time, right? And uh, this is like thinking about twenty things at a time. Yeah, and making so, and them having them in concert. Right. And then having people that read it that generally would tell you the same thing. Oh, yeah. 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 And you, you know, you book, wanna, it was about this. Yeah. You know, you want to write something that isn't somebody else's book. But and so you don't want to, you know, just um, go over the same ground and right. sound like everyone else. But right. it's there's just a lot to it. And, you know, I'm used to not having to prove what I say. But um, <laughs> though in your case, I just get in radio, I just get ridiculed. So, but I can, that's better than having to prove what I say. I don't really but, like, I don't, I wouldn't choose to call it ridicule. I would call it, I would call it commentary. Well, you're laughing with me, not at me then. Is oh, no, we're it? laughing at you. Trust me. <laughs> but I would not, I would choose to call it, I would choose to call it commentary. Right. Uh, and if you're if you're that thin skinned that you take it as criticism, <laughs> then that would be your fault. But it's no, it's just more commentary about you than it is. <laughs> well that that's okay. Right. It's, uh, right. It's, uh, that, that's in that case, then I feel much Oh, pleasure. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I wasn't being critical. It's just a comment about what you said. Yeah. Well, it is, you know, how would you like to be the guy who's trying to be optimistic about all this? You can't be. That, I mean, <laughs> it, it, again, you've tough. shown yeah, us that over the, over the last however many years you've been coming on this thing. If you're at all a realist and you look at what we do out there, you know, you would ask yourself, why would anybody throw in with us? Right? I mean, you, we're not even getting, they're not even getting the bribes from us. Right? Let alone stick their neck out and, and, and risk getting in China's crosshairs. Stupid. So you've taught me that. And you taught me cautiously pessimistic. I wouldn't even say I'm, ca I'm cautiously pessimistic anymore. I am straight up pessimistic. And I believe um, you see administration after administration, whether they're afraid to go against Wall Street or the corporate giants of the United States, um, because it will impact their reelection. Re 
prospects. Um, but I, I'm coming to that conclusion that there's there is a reason for it, and it's not um, it's not something we want to hear, and it keeps us from doing what is in our best interest because it's not in a politician's personal interest um, to go ahead and do this. So I, I again, I, somebody said, you know, I, I think it was Will said we were talking about Representative Luria, and he said, look. She's a Democrat. She's in the, the party of the majority. She's in the party of the president. If they wanted to have hard hearings about shipbuilding, they would have them. But it would probably lead them to a conclusion that would take them to expanding the, the defense budget even more. And so they're not going to have the hearing because it's, it's not what they want to do. And you're like, ugh. God almighty. Oh, boy. Well, I'm feeling like a littoral combat ship that uh, like took a... <laughs> An Ascom, an anti-ship cruise missile, in the like in the middle of it. The uh, I I concede, you know, I strike my colors. Wow. All right. Well, you're the one that informs me. I'm just <laughs> I'm just walking the dog on the shit you've given me for the last four years or so. Okay. Well, I've and, been making it up. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, no, we, no, we are in. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't look good, but you know, I don't know. It's Every once in a while, you get a break that you don't deserve, and you never know. We've, we will see. All right. Well, Grant, first of all, I appreciate your time tonight. And uh, like I said, if anything earth shaking happens, which I don't anticipate it will, um, I would, uh, I will uh, give you a call. Maybe you can uh, interpret the tea leaves for us, mm -hmm. uh, maybe later this week. But thank you very much. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, any time. Always right. enjoy it. Thanks, Grant. Right on. Mm -hmm. That'll do it on a Monday. Thanks for listening. Remember this weekend's Memorial Day weekend. So, like, not too. So it's early, so you could do something thoughtful if you know a Gold Star family. All you gotta do is let them know that hey, you're in my thoughts and prayers. Because they truly pay the price of losing somebody forever. So don't forget to do that. Thanks for listening today. My thanks to Grant for coming on. Have a great day. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. And both of us together are out.